Welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast for film fans by film fans. Every episode, we look at films old and new to choose what should be preserved for all time in our movie vault. With lively topics, big questions, and crazy challenges to entertain us and our guests, we always look to have fun by giving you the topics worth discussing and the movies worth watching, even if there are some duds along the way. But don't just take my word for it. Here's a preview of what to expect in today's episode. What was that? See, that was throwing me off because then I started thinking of like, wait, what? What, what sort of like animated character, animal characters? That films in the nineties. I, I heard it the first time. It was, he did something. Well, good movies. Hello and welcome to Well, Good Movies, the podcast that gives you the topics worth discussing and the movies worth watching. I am your host, David Osger, and I am joined as ever by my co-host, who is somebody who likely would like to take over the world as many comic book movie villains do with an army of evil robots. It's Craig McDonald. You say that as if I'm not in the process of doing it. <laughs> well, I said probably, so you know, I'm, I'm just speculating. I mean, uh, I'm part of an organization called Snail World Orgcom, so I'll let you <laughs> understand exactly what I'm doing at this point. <laughs> okay, so uh, Craig's in the process of uh, deleting Jarvis and uh, taking over his consciousness. Um, by the end of the episode, maybe, maybe we'll uh, save the day. So, uh, how have you been, Craig? I've I've been good. Uh, I've been incredibly tired. Um, I don't know if that's the sort of information about my life that you wanted. <laughs> busy, busy as always. Yeah. No, I've literally spent every single day this week at the debating competition, and it is uh, needlessly exhausting. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I I've been busy as well, but then I've also balanced it out with a lot of Marvel watching, as we'll get to today. Um, I was like going through pretty much all of the key Avengers films and Captain America films in preparation for all these series we get in. And it was really weird once I finished. I was just like, oh, I don't have like a massive major blockbuster to watch tonight. And sometimes it was like two a night. So it it was crazy. And it, it goes to show watching different franchises in certain orders, you know, without being like, I'm going to watch them all. I was like, oh, I'm just going to watch these specific, you know, Cap films and the Avengers ones. And yeah, and it, it's, it was interesting how it like reads differently and how how that influences your experience yeah i found myself doing that mostly uh like mostly in november uh so yeah. i complete i completely agree with you there i didn't realize i'd have to be doing it for any greater purpose so <laughs> that was yeah. good i was somewhat prepared yeah i think a lot of people during lockdown have done some marvel watch throughs and you know today that's what we wanted to talk about was the mcu and marvel because of course wandavision has now premiered on disney plus uh which is the first bit of mcu we are getting for quite a long time since spider-man far from home so it's been a very long time coming there's obviously now a lot of speculation and a lot of love going around for this show especially because these are two characters that everybody has always sort of been very close to and found very epic etc so we wanted to sort of talk today about their introductory film which is avengers age of ultron as well as their story up till now and how interesting it is that we have two characters that originate 
in a movie which had now gone to television, which will be the case for a lot of Marvel heroes, where it's usually the other way around. Um, so to talk to us about all of that is um, our guest today. It's his first time on the show. Uh, he is an old friend of mine and Craig's. And uh, he is a comic book guru. He's also a big movie fan. So please welcome Tom Gapper, everyone. Hello, hello. Nice to be here. And nice to see that the uh, comic book guru thing is uh, sticking. Uh, (laughs) Definitely going (laughs) to... Just to clarify, just to clarify for previous listeners of the show, Tom is a comic book guru, not the comic book guru we had in uh, in a past episode. I was thinking that I was just like we have had the comic guru, so I don't want to like tread on anybody's you know toes here. But uh, but it's it's. Uh, I'll yeah. just come up with a with a different name, but it's fine. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm happy to be on the <laughs> happy to be on the show. I'm glad to be here, and uh, well, I'm just uh, curious to see uh, how Craig's will domination plot is going to pan out over the course of the episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're, we're all curious. We're all like yeah. watching I, I, it. I, I for know, one like, welcome our new and, bearded overlord. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I promised a lot of possums. That's all I can say. I, for some reason, I'm okay with that, and I'm not sure why. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to discussing uh, One Division today, and uh, yeah, just uh, just glad to be here. Tom, tell us just a bit about yourself as like a movie fan and like a comic book fan. You know what? You know what are some of your favorite franchises? Some of your favorite movies? How do you see yourself as a movie buff? Uh, as as a as a movie buff, I definitely say there are probably buffier people than me. Uh, but I, I do enjoy I do enjoy watching films, especially um, all the comic book stuff. E- even back to some of the earlier days of comic book movies, where it was a wildly different world. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Shaquille O'Neal as Steel. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's something. Um, but yeah, no. Generally, the the MCU has got to have a shout out in terms of like favorite franchises. I mean, MCU was just huge um, in terms of being a comic book fan because never before had you seen films on comic book characters so like dedicate themselves to getting the characters right and actually doing the original source material justice, even if they were leaning into the ultimate universe there. But that that's that's something else. Um, so yeah, for me, the MCU was a, was a huge thing and I do love it. But then also big shout out to the original X-Men trilogy, which some could argue was the original comic book shared universe, but, uh, yeah, just, uh, so, so those films in general have, uh, had a big effect on me, uh, going up and then, uh, other films just in terms of, uh, just, just, just. I love anything surreal, any surreal films you can think of. I, I'm all over that. Anything with Daniel Day-Lewis in. I'm, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just a sucker for that guy. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's something I've been getting into a lot more recently, just like watching more films and more TV shows outside of like the superhero stuff. I, for, for a little while there, I was kind of trapped in just watching all the superhero stuff, but trying to break out of that now and uh, yeah, just uh, become a bit more of a cinephile as it were. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, well, we're happy to go on that journey with you. And like I said, you know, we, we all love some surreal stuff on here as well. Um, I don't know if you did manage to watch it or not, but I mean, I just I revisited Too Many Cooks. But uh, yeah, when I was watching that, I was like, this is so surreal. So if you haven't checked it out yet, check it out because it is just bizarre, it's surreal. Craig can attest to it. He's the one who like introduced me to it. So uh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes it's, sense. it's groundbreaking and mind crushing. <laughs> Yeah, those are two of my favorite things so uh yeah 
Yeah, the more I watched it, the more I was like, I, I just, I was like, this kind of is one division. I want this to be one division. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be very fun today, guys. Uh, we're going to be talking about, like I said, the characters of Wanda and Vision and the films that they've appeared in, and especially Age of Ultron, because like I said, this sort of overlooked Avengers film, and I know that uh, a few of us here have some, you know, good memories of it and some, you know, I don't want to say controversial opinions, but, uh, you know, it's going against the grain in some ways, I suppose. You know, first of all, I wanted uh, to start off... Uh, by getting into the mood of the MCU and especially Wanda and Vision because obviously these films and series and stories are all about long-running story arcs and you know knowing how they started and what happened in what film and all that kind of stuff and we're going to be talking about all of that today uh, but I wanted us to sort of like get the consensus of it right at the beginning so I wanted to challenge you guys to tell me the story of Wanda and Vision up until this point in one minute and I'm gonna give it to Craig first because you know he's not you know this is not his first time on the podcast so I'm not going to be cruel in uh, giving Tom a big challenge straight away so Craig do you think you're ready for this challenge? I just want to check. You do mean the MCU version, because if you expect the <laughs> comic book version, where it's just like, it's just like, right, okay, so Scarlet, Scarlet Witch is Magneto's daughter. Started in nineteen, yeah, no, that that would be hilarious, but no, in I'm West not. Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground. <laughs> uh, I'm not that cruel, so no, you uh, you have to give us like the her story from you know canon or whatever you want to say in the mcu and i'm giving you one minute and i found a a very epic countdown clock uh, which i think will add to the atmosphere of this situation so you'll know when the countdown starts craig by this hilariously epic and uh maybe overly dramatic countdown so are you ready yep and Go. Okay, child in, Soko- uh, child in Sokovia, brother of Pietro Ma- uh, Maximoff. Um, her parents were killed in like a bombing situation with, with Stark technology, which basically led to her wanting vengeance to the point that she volunteered uh, for uh, Hydra experiments. She then became superpowered. She fights the Avengers, eventually gets recruited by Ultron to help him basically end the Avengers. Turns out, uh, turns out basically what to ends the world. So she joins the Avengers, helps them. Then make, uh, then the Sokovia Accords basically starts because of the fact that she accidentally bombs a facility, uh, like a, a Wakandan uh, outreach pro- uh, program. Then she's basically under house arrest. Then she basically joins Captain America's side in the Civil War, uh, then gets arrested when that side loses. She then leaves with Vision because they're in love. Uh, they're in Edinburgh. They get attacked by uh, they get attacked by Thanos's goons. Join up with everyone. She then has to kill Vision, but Vision's brought back to be killed again. Uh, she gets wiped out, comes back, fights Thanos, and now we have one division. That, oh, that was good. That well was very good. <laughs> that was close. That was. Close. Why did you do it so intensely loud? So I'm trying to keep myself figured. All kind of goes da 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 da. da. What the hell? Yeah, that that was part of the epicness of the music. I, when I first found that, I was like, Are they going to do this for every like mi- second? Like fifty-eight, fifty seven. That would have been incredible. But um, so yeah, a, a great effort there. And you know, you've given Tom like a good head start. Now I'm sure he's oh, already God. thinking how he's going to do it. Tom, are, I are you I, ready? I mean, I was just too engrossed in Craig's incredible storytelling there, and just just the music. It really. <laughs> Oh, I don't know how I'm going to top that now. All right. Okay, yeah. let's, let's give this a go. All right. Oof. Right. Okay. Are you Bring ready? Uh, as ready as I'll ever be, David. Okay. And go. 
Oh, okay, it's nice and quieter then. Okay, so here's the thing. Right, so uh, Eastern European lady and her brother get mad at capitalism, so they join a robot in destroying the world, except they don't realise he's going to destroy the world, so then they find that out and they go against him because they don't want to destroy the world. She then, like... Gets, uh, she, she then kills this robot and what after her brother dies saving a disabled archer um, so she then gets rescued by uh, the son of the robot that she was working with who then she shares a look with and you're like ooh what's happening here she then joins the Avengers and blows up a hospital this causes her to be put under house arrest for a while where she continues making googly eyes at the robot that is essentially the son of the robot she was working with to destroy the world but didn't realise she was working with to destroy the world so then this carries on everyone splits up because they're mad at each other and she goes off with Vision to make love to him because now he's a human or he can look human because I guess that's a thing now and then he gets stabbed and then she gets angry and then he dies again and then she brings it back and then he dies again and then oh god I've lost it (laughs) well Well Craig Craig easily won that one Can I just say, David set us the challenge of explain the story of Wonder and Vision, and both of us decided to go. Well, Vision's just a robot, so screw him. <laughs> this is Wonder's story. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm very much anti AI, so he is just a robot to me. This is uh, this is the hill I will die on. Yeah, I just loved the fact that you know you were just like yeah, and then and then they get stabbed, and then you know it's just like we just throw away death. Like <laughs> yeah, that just happens, you know. Like and and then like you know his, his brother dies, whatever, you know. And Tom was just, going oh. for the more nuanced start. He was just like a child fights against capitalism. I was like, oh damn, he's gonna beat me. And then the time went on, he says, uh, "Robot gets stabbed." I'm just like, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. I had a strong start, but I just lost it towards the end there. So I'll concede that to Craig. Uh, yeah, and you know, impressive because as well, you know. Craig was first in there as well, so he had the tougher task. So, yeah, well done. But, you know, we'll revisit some challenges as we go along later when we have our ever fun end game, which is, you know, named after an Avengers film. So very fitting uh, this week. So on to our main topic of the day then, which is... Wanda and Vision, their new series is out on Disney Plus now. The first two episodes, it is a homage to sitcoms of the several decades. And we get to finally now catch up with these characters. But it's all like a big mystery about what's happening. And we're seeing the styles of the 50s and 60s and 70s, all these different sitcom eras. But obviously with the idea that something's not right there's something to do with Wanda's powers something to do with sword and you know these organizations and more sinister characters but the point that's taken us up to here is you know obviously all the different films and you know they started off in Avengers Age of Ultron which was the sequel to the 2012 uh, film and then their story has been pretty much told throughout Avengers and Avengers Light films which I think is really interesting is the fact that you've now got these characters who have their own series but they started as supporting characters within a movie it's the new environment we find ourselves in with streaming so from the get-go uh tom what what is your thoughts about this idea of having characters who start off as movie characters and then go into television or streaming because it's it's a it's kind of a, a different approach we maybe have had some odd examples in the past we're gonna get this a lot more with shows like loki and falcon and winter soldier you know so what do you think of that entire change in the way we we have our media and our superhero content 
Um, I actually don't think it's too much of a change at all if you look at the sort of larger history of comic books because this is something that I'm kind of used to from being a huge comic book fan. You'll often have characters like initially first appear in like, uh, say for example, you have a character who just starts appearing as a side villain or side like hero in Batman and then like eventually because he gets so popular he gets his own solo series or maybe some characters appear in the Justice League and again they just spin out and get their own solo series it happens all the time in comics where you end up getting solo runs for characters you never thought you'd see solo runs for so to see that translate to the MCU is something I'm all for because I've always thought the MCU has done a good job at, like, emulating the comics, even right down to talking about, um, like, Wanda, for example, having her in Age of Ultron start off as a villain before joining the Avengers, because that's how she started off in the comics. She was a villain first, then an Avenger second. Yeah, just seeing the fact that they are kind of adopting a more comic book release mindset to their media now, I think can only be a good thing, and I think it is, it's going to help, because lots of people have had the same question since Endgame is how is the MCU really going to carry on? Is it going to be as good as it once was? How do you top, like, Thanos trying to destroy half the universe? And I think just the way they do that is just building up the world more. So I think having these, like, series or even new films for side characters or just, like, characters we haven't had a chance to see shine yet, um, it can only be a good thing. And it gives more opportunity then for, like, more characters from the comics that you might not have thought you'd have uh, ever appear on screen to come into it. Like now, we're going to have Monica Rambeau appear in a uh, One Division. I know she briefly appears at the in uh, Captain Marvel as a child. The fact that it's like, oh, so we're actually going to see Spectrum in action later down the line. You never know. We could end up seeing a Spectrum solo series on Disney Plus or something. Um, so yeah, it is really interesting, as I said, to see that comic book approach really come into the movies and I guess TV shows now and. I think it can only be a good thing. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm all for it, basically. Yeah, I think, uh, like I said, it, it's, it, it makes sense to the comic book origins. Like you said, it's the fact of like having these spin-offs and these issues. It makes sense for that. You have these long spanning storylines. And I think even the the series is kind of, t- the, the numerical approach is kind of like comic book issue. Like, I think they have like 9.1 and, you know, 9.0, you know, that kind of stuff with like the little like hashtags and stuff like that, which is like a nice touch. So yeah, it definitely makes uh, sense for the comic book world. I think it is, and it's surprised now kind of on board everyone has got with this straight away. And I think again, it shows like that franchise mentality that so many studios are trying to do now. They're all trying to build their franchise. And you can see it with DC as well. They've done that. They've announced a Peacemaker show, uh, which will be spun off from Suicide Squad before we've even seen that movie, which is a bit crazy. And they're trying to look at like, oh, well, how can we like build uh, the DCEU and uh, HBO Max at the same time? So again, you know, even though these are all great for the fans, you know, at the end of the day, it's for these studios to be like, hey, we need content. We need to fill up our streaming services. Um, and what better way to do it in these films that have got like a huge array of characters it just seems like an easier sell to me as well right because i think the reason that you don't get that many comic book films which have like overly creative premises insofar as like the type of team-ups they're going to put together it's just because they have such expectations in terms of box office they don't want to do anything which is 
way too risky. I mean, there's risk and then there's like ridiculous risk, right? So they were never going to have a a Wonder Vision solo film, but putting it in a uh, putting it in a TV show where they can literally just redirect because uh, redirect the nature of their story, I think it's going to be a lot easier for people to buy, and especially given what they the way they're doing the show so far. Because let's face it, um, they weren't really the the most action orientated characters, and I think that's. I mean, like Scarlet Witch can throw down definitely, but the way that she fights, I don't think would be able to keep hold of an entire audience uh, for like the length of a movie. But focusing on like you know, sort of TV stakes, we'll call them, I think is the best direction for that character. And I think that's what I think that's what like Marvel and the MCU are generally understanding, because they're obviously trying to shift away to they're trying to shift away from. Obviously, they don't have Iron Man or Captain America anymore, so they have to they have to work on these characters that don't have the same sort of fighting appeal that those two had, especially. Yeah, that's very true because I think it's quite clever as well, isn't it? That they're like, oh, well, we're on a TV budget now. How do we show this trippy, mind-bending stuff, which is still interesting to audiences, but do it on a, a lower budget or a lower scale? And it's like, hey, and it's, you know purposely make ourselves into a sitcom or tv show so you know even though they're doing gimmicky little you know things floating on strings and stuff it's done in the purpose of obviously being authentic to those original programs and they've got like you know the the traditional sets and everything so but of course it's it's still a big budget sort of attempt at that but yeah it just means you can show that more sort of like mind-bending mystery stuff uh, which can keep people captivated for a series rather than like a film like you said Craig in which somebody might sit down and be like why am I watching this kind of stuff and it looks like they're going to do that with a lot of the other series where like Loki and stuff where it's going to be more about you know like time stuff and then I think the She-Hulk program sounds like that's going to be about like different cases and different soup superheroes come into it with different legal battles again you know like would somebody go to a film which is like you know oh this superhero goes to court and it's like what but as a series that sounds really enticing yeah i agree and i i for one i'm quite hyped for the uh, she hulk series whenever that comes out um and also moon knight as well seeing as we've got oscar isaac and i think uh ethan hawk has just uh been announced to be in it as well so that's shaping up to be something and that's another show i think that is going to not maybe to the extent of WandaVision, but it'll definitely be sort of a very trippy, surreal experience. Um, but as I say, not to the extent of WandaVision, I think, especially if it's going where like, we think it's going. Definitely going to be uh, interesting to see. And also, I think it'll show the differences in these series because, again, with Falcon and Winter Soldier, we've seen that that's maybe a bit more action-orientated. And the fact that Moon Knight was sort of like pitched as this adventure series and, you know, like, I think that... To me, maybe those are going to be the more action-orientated stuff. Maybe, maybe Ms. Marvel. Um, but again, it's like things like She-Hulk and WandaVision are maybe where it's not as action-orientated. But we'll see. Like I said, they've got a lot of time to play with. So yeah, it's uh, yeah definitely an interesting one. Talking about how these characters are changing through the big films, how they get in their series, and how we'll see that change. Like I said, classic example with the DC shows will be getting like peacemaker and the marvel shows will begin it's a new world in which you know movies and tvs often blend in together so you know we look forward to seeing more of that in the future uh, but let's not go back now to that film that we've touched on already which is the introduction of 
Vision and Wanda, which was in Avengers Age of Ultron. It was directed by Joss Whedon and was obviously the follow-up to the very successful original film. And yeah, this is kind of the more slated of the Avengers four films uh, and gets kind of overlooked. So I think this one is worth talking about as a whole as well, because I think it's not just because of Wanda and Vision that this story succeeds but i think there's a lot of things that people overlook and on watching them back um i definitely had like an interesting take watching these key avengers films in a post end game uh world so you know I, tom what what what's your feelings i know that you sort of agree on to, in terms of the importance of age of ultron uh yeah i have always loved age of ultron uh since i first watched it and I think it is one of the most slept on Marvel films. Like, I get there are some genuine sort of issues with it. One plot point in particular, which I'll, I'll go to in, in a second. But I think overall, just like from what it's set up, it is arguably one of the most important MCU films because it doesn't just like sort of help to set up more of Endgame with, a, you know, like thor getting that vision of like the stones coming together it also sets up ragnarok because like within that same vision he gets they basically set that up it it sets up like pretty much everything going on in that phase of marvel um to a huge degree um and there's just so much important stuff going on there that's i think you can look past the sort of down parts of it like okay i i agree that the whole bruce natasha romance was maybe a bit unnecessary but equally i also thought that like even though i wasn't a fan of it it did kind of work within the context of the mcu and kind of the relationship the characters had been building so i can't be too mad at that but yeah i just think um overall i think people need to give it a bit more of a chance than they do give it because it, it is genuinely an incredibly important film to the mcu and without it so much doesn't get set up and as well it is a great introduction to two of the most important characters the mcu wanda and vision so i just yeah i, I just i just don't fully understand why people not so much hate on it but kind of uh, as we said they consider it one of the lesser mcu films and i do think that's a bit unfair i think the problem it has i mean at the time it came out i definitely don't remember much initial hatred against it I don't know whether that was just because I wasn't paying attention or if just, I think the general impression I had was that it was, it was good, but it was just that comparison of just like the, just comparing the overall spectacle of it to the first film. Uh, it didn't have that instant iconicness to it, I guess. Uh, I think what also didn't help it is the fact that of, I think the other major important thing it obviously builds up is that it is the entire, it's basically sets up the entire premise of civil war, right? Uh, because obviously they they rely a lot on the events of that uh, of that uh, film in order to have any form of impact, and I know that a lot of people basically saw that film as like the true Avengers two, um, just because of it. So I think that's why a lot of people sort of downgraded it because they were just they were just looking at it in that sort of comparison of, well, the actual events of it aren't as good as Civil War, which I probably do fall in that bracket, but I still. I still think Age of Ultron is really good. It has some, yeah, it has like some issues that probably do put it down for me a little bit, but I still think it's good, quite good, very good. Yeah, it's often looked as a, you know, Avengers 2.5 as like a, a, 
essentially an Avengers film because so many of them are in it. Um, but that's why I also love about that film is that it still manages to be a Captain America film at the same time. Like Tom and yourself said, is there's so much in that film which is crucial not only to then Civil War, but just the entire MCU going forward so that you introduce all of these characters, you know, including Vision, Wanda, uh, Quicksilver, you know, and you get more expanded roles for, you know, Hawkeye, and you get like the introduction of, you know, you, you see like Ultron, etc., which I think at the time as well was like you say, Craig, there was the fact that you didn't have the originality and the spectacle of the first film because that was such a new and different thing. Uh, but there's also the fact that, you know, when you adapt like an Ultron story, then everyone is like, oh, yeah, you know, like this big end of the world kind of uh narrative but you know you're not going to be able to do that when they've already set up the way we're aiming towards infinity war and they want to tell it within that one film it doesn't help as well that the way they do ultron isn't it definitely screams of like because i think people were getting starting to slowly see the sort of trope of just like the way in which the mcu conduct their humor so the fact that ultron himself basically comes off as a bit too tony stark-esque as opposed to like his own his own entity just didn't help things as well because uh, at least like like every other villain of like the main uh, avengers films right is well basically loki and thanos they are bold personalities that basically stand out right so loki definitely pays up the tris- the trickster like malevolent vibe and then obviously gets a lot of development throughout the series and thanos is just the sympathetic slaughterer I think is probably the best way of calling him. <laughs> Ultron is just Tony Stark done bad. Ultron is just a toaster with daddy issues, <laughs> essentially. A concerning I mean, comparison. <laughs> but yeah, it was the same way in the comics, except just directed towards Hank Pym. And I think uh, that that's just a one you did touch on it there. Like they did try and make Ultron a bit too funny, and I guess I get why they would do because like they had that one line where like um, it's like someone says to him like you can't fix things without you can't fix things by breaking things and he just goes clearly you never made an omelette and tony just goes oh you beat me by one second they're clearly showing there that like ultron is basically just a warped tony which to a degree works because as i said in the comics he's like created by hank pym and so he does kind of take on a bit of hank pym's personality so in the mcu context it does work but equally it is a bit jarring when you're seeing this who's supposed to be a really sinister, terrifying villain, really. Ultron is meant to be terrifying. And, like, he's just, like, joking about how he's casually forgotten the word children. Um, For me, the biggest scene is, yeah. when, he, is when he cuts off uh, cuts off Claw's arm yeah. and he says, oh, I'm so sorry. It, it, it's not that bad. It's like, dude, you're planning on wiping out the entirety of humanity the hell do you care about slicing a guy's arm off? It, I mean, it was Andy Circus's arm. He, the guy's a treasure. You can't cut off Andy Circus's <laughs> arm. That's that's why he was upset. He was like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I oh, just meant to kill you, not disfigure you. Oh, no. Yeah. It's Darth Vader all over again. I think, yeah, I think with... And that's why I think is like at the time, especially is that people wanted this big, bad, menacing villain. And I think that's why for me, 
it's interesting. You could be, I think if, if time was different, if we went down a different reality, uh, then, you know, if, if Whedon did stay on the franchise, I think we possibly would be here saying the writing was on the wall and, you know, we could see the problems from, you know, from Age of Ultron clearly wasn't interested in telling an Infinity War story or a Thanos story, but that didn't happen. And I think that, you know, the franchise was all the better for getting the Russos on because, as much as, again, I do love Age of Ultron, you know, the difference between Age of Ultron and Civil War is like vastly different because in terms of style and the drama. But I still think that Whedon is doing a lot of things that the Russos do so well, which is giving the characters these stories and these arcs. But he does have a lot of, you know, Whedonisms and a lot of weird choices that he makes. Um, and that, again, creeps into the comedy a lot more. Um, I was kind of expecting it to just kind of end when he left. But I was like, no, that it does. I don't know whether the it's because it's the Marvel humor. or So the Marvel humor evolved from Whedon's humor or whether it's that's just the Marvel humor and that's the way the studio likes it. So Whedon was just playing that up more i don't know but i think it's like a bit of both because like obviously as you said whedon has a lot of whedonisms that you see across like all of his projects and i think it is just an element of both because like even in the the comic books in marvel comic books they're very much full of quips like Mm. even in you get some serious characters who are just still throwing in quips like left right and center Spider-Man is the worst for it, um, though they kind of like they kind of like explain that away as like, oh no, he just like tells these jokes constantly because he's trying to psych out the guys he's fighting. So you're just kind of like, oh, okay, okay then. Yeah. But yeah, it it is it does get a bit much sometimes. Like there are some moments in Marvel films where just like it could be a much better moment if there wasn't a quip there. Um, and sometimes they do feel a bit forced and um, also just another point I wanted to make going back to like Ultron being this like quipping machine as well the the film Ultron was so different to the Ultron we saw in the trailers like Mm. in the trailers if you remember they just had him basically just like going off that that Pinocchio script like the whole uh, there are no strings on me and it was like the creepy music in the background and like all the scenes of destruction as that music's going off and you just think Ultron's going to be this terrifying like entity like I remember thinking like I'm going to be terrified of this villain and then yeah it it was just as you say you start noticing the problems then of just like why is everyone quipping so Mm. damn much in like like not every moment needs to be filled with a joke and I do think that that is an issue Marvel needs to work on and also it could be a thing that like maybe one division is a bit of a tongue-in-cheek thing there because they've just literally made it a sitcom so it's just them going like ah you thought we had too many quips before well guess what now we have an excuse yeah exactly like Whedon definitely loves like innuendo as well you can tell that in his writing and like like said the quips and different lines that come in there and it was just a lot of that in his films you know where it's like oh you know cap we understand if you can't get it up and stuff like that and that, that was the bits that, that was a bit jarring i was like i was like okay this is a funny scene but do we really need like that much like you know innuendo thrown in here but i'm surprised you didn't mention hide the zucchini yeah this, um <laughs> yeah I, I i try not to think about that <laughs> <laughs> um but the but again i to me, so watching this back now after seeing Endgame and Infinity War, I think that's the big difference for me is that for people who were there in that mindset uh, back when this film came out, 
I think it was very different because they wanted this big MCU villain, this big bad of all the, you know, the franchise, because as well, as good as Loki was, he, you know, even that film kind of makes him the assistant kind of, you know, the, the one carrying out the mission. And I think that, again, the trailers probably didn't help as well. But we've now had that with Thanos. We've had this big, like, epic, like, leader of armies and, you know, like, who's willing to, like, you know, kill characters, etc. And not be apologetic about it. Um, so I think that after seeing that now, that's where I can enjoy those elements of Age of Ultron a bit more because I'm like well I've had that now I can now enjoy Ultron for what he is that bit more and the good thing that the MCU does is that they play to their strengths so while Civil War is nothing like the comic book version of the story they they use it to work for the the story that they've got they're like right we've got these characters this is the drama that we've got this is how we're going to adapt it and I kind of feel Ultron is the same it's kind of like right, well, we've got these inventor characters. We haven't yet introduced Hank Pym. Let's make Tony Stark invent uh, Ultron. And then it's like, oh, wouldn't it be interesting because there's so much about Tony's ego and, you know, how how he's always, you know, determined about the mission and putting a suit of armor around the world. Wouldn't it be interesting if Ultron was kind of like you you guys said, you know, this this alternate Tony Stark. And that that thread carries on throughout. So again, like credit to the Russos because they they carry on that throughout. Even in Endgame then, like Pepper and Tony say, you know, he can't stop. And that's when Pepper says in those like final moments, she's like, you can rest now, Tony, because it's that still the same storyline. He's still trying to protect and he can't slow down and he can't, he can't stop doing what he does. So I think that's where I was able to enjoy Age of Ultron a bit more. And because we've now had a lot of the stuff that we may be yearning for when that film originally came out. And I do enjoy some of the quips as well. I, th- I think the, the eggs thing is kind of fun. And, you know, like I said, even though the children, forgetting about children is a bit odd and stuff like that. I don't know. I I think it's uh, the performance by James Spader obviously helps a lot. And uh, Whedon, you know, went for that actor specifically because he had seen him in television and loved him. So I think that he does add like this massive gravitas to the role. And I think my biggest problem is, again, how he just sort of like bulks up at the end and he's like, I'm Megatron now and stuff like that. And the fact that he just gets this kind of unceremoniously like that, that's one of the worst humor moments is when they like all have this epic like firing at Ultron and he gets torn away and he's like on second thought. And then they like bash him. I'm like did you have to do that? We've had this epic takedown of a villain. And then he's like, oh, on reconsideration. I'm like, no, like, you know, imagine if that happened to Thanos. Like he was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. And then, you know, Thor hit him with the hammer. That that to me was really like unceremonious. I didn't like that. Yeah, but that wasn't, that wasn't the final version of him, right? The entire thing with Ultron was he could transfer bodies, right? So Mm. if you're going to support the quips, I think the individual body can have something like that. To the point that I think the only, yeah, the only death you can have to focus on is his final one, his final mm. body. And you can't tell me that wasn't a beautiful death for him. Oh, yeah. Well, there's two, you know, Wanda gets one and Vision. So I love both of those. But it's just the character itself has almost shown that he's like, you know what? Uh, maybe I was wrong. So it's just the, in the character, he's already admitting some form of like maybe I was no, right. He's being sarcastic. It's the sort of thing yeah. that Tony Stark would do. Just, yeah, you know, but again, with the I just think it's, it's... hindsight. 
Uh, yeah, yeah I, that's it. Yeah, I just think again, it's just misplaced. I, d- I didn't like it at that moment because that was meant to be the big epic moment. But but again, Ultron's death later on, yeah, beautiful. I love those moments. Yeah, I, I I do like how we were supposed to be talking about how much we enjoyed and loved Age of Ultron, but we just seem to be complaining <laughs> about it at the moment. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I put it in the the context of like, well, we had you know that that you know so, but now obviously we've seen Endgame and all that kind of stuff, hmm. but. <laughs> yeah to go back to the stuff i do like i like that they're able to give you know hawkeye you know that this bigger storyline i think i do feel bad that like joss whedon had to leave the franchise because i think he said that they put a gun essentially to that like farm scene uh, or that entire storyline because they were like you put in this thor uh you know stuff or like you don't get your hawkeye on the farm stuff which i'm like again like tom because i i always you know i love hawkeye and i want to see more of him i'm like yeah i'm glad that we didn't fought for that stuff it is really important and it added a lot more to the character and uh, yeah i i think that the natasha and hulk stuff again i can i get it somewhat but i think again it works on the concept of this is what we've got to play with in the mcu we haven't got these characters and yeah they kind of did need some sort of relationship or dynamic within the team and and i kind of thought it made sense it is a big gimmicky that they were like oh these are the two people who uh met up in the first film and you know natasha even says to nick fury is like is that why you sent me to him that i think is a bit too on the nose but i i like the aspect of they both see themselves as monsters they both see themselves as troubled i i get, I get on board with that i i don't quite like how she brings up the context of her thinking she's a monster because she says that like after she gives a story about her basically being sterilized and it's just like, well, that that doesn't inherently make you a, a monster just because you've been... If anything, that makes the people who did that to you monsters, not you yourself. I mean, um, and also the whole thing of Whedon apparently telling Elizabeth Olsen to cry prettier um, or something like that, he said on set. This is what I've, I've, I've heard from uh, various like reports and I don't know like how true it is, though. But uh, it, it, yeah, just... Uh, <laughs> It does bug me a little bit, that, that, that whole, like, um, you think... Um, what was it she says, like, uh, you think you're the only monster around here? I, I didn't quite like the context that was brought up. I mean, yeah, I can understand what they were... I mean, two things. One, I can understand what they were going for, uh, just in terms of she was specific... That was done to her to make her a more effective killing machine, which is what is supposedly the thing that makes her a monster. It doesn't come across like that to audiences, and I completely sympathise with, like... The, the sort of anger backlash that did happen against that stuff but two i think that i think they were just a little bit too quick within the film to sort of insinuate like them being a thing right so which is why i think they needed like some like hints in some of the other films that happened and it just seems quite full-on right the fact that she's the one who's literally able to to break him out of the hulk stance uh and then they have like incredibly deep flirtatious conversations of the party just seems a bit quick as opposed to like the other team romance which we're meant to be discussing in more detail Mm. uh wonder and vision which at least have while probably has still has some degree of pacing issues uh at least has a lot more hints towards it that it's a like genuine legitimate relationship yeah and i think i think it also has the advantage of uh being an established kind of comic book romance whereas like hulk black widow is is like 
I, I mean, there might possibly be an example in the comics of them having dated maybe once or twice. I don't claim to have read every single Marvel comic. But yeah, but WandaVision is a very like famous sort of comic book couple. So I, th- I think they had that benefit where they could get around the... Because I, I agree with you, Craig. There was a bit of pacing issues there, but it is obviously just because like, their roles compared to some of the others in the MCU was a bit more limited. But yeah, because they've yeah. got that wider history behind them, I think that's why it, it kind of works better. That and Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany seem to have like great chemistry on screen as well. Yeah, I think for me, again, I, I yeah, I'm not saying it's like perfect or anything like that. I think the monster stuff, I kind of see it as like she is commenting on the fact that she's like been altered and she's like had her humanity taken away from her so that like she is just like an assassin. I understand what people say is that like oh you shouldn't see yourself as a monster for that but again I don't think the film is like saying that she is it's just tragic that she does see herself that way and there's a lot of people who are like that they're like this is my fault and you're like well how is this your fault so again I it's not like the film is like saying that that's true it's just saying that she believes that but there's nothing that that ever disputes that though at the no point does is she ever told no you're not a monster because of it because the conversation happens he basically turned around and said so what we just run off to get we basically just run off together and just leave everything behind there's never mm. an official rebuke rebuke to that i think that's what people's issue is yeah that's true i suppose just from like i i always saw just from like her point of view is that like again it's just tragic that she sees herself that way and that's part of the tragedy of the character and bruce is sort of like not you know sympathizing at the in that he's like yeah we all have these crosses we must bear kind of uh idea so and you know obviously they're relating to the fact that neither of them can you know raise a family and that kind of stuff so yeah again it's it's not perfect but to wrap up on the film like I said i think there's still you know there's obviously the vision and uh wonder stuff is great i think that you know you get straight away you can tell like Wanda is a really different character for the MCU. She's really powerful. You get these great scenes, you know, like when Quicksilver dies and she like has that explosion and all the the enemies uh, around her disintegrate. Obviously her taking out Ultron's heart is fantastic. And, but even just the film as a whole, I think that like it looks a lot more stylish than the first Avengers film because as, as good as that is and good as the action is, you know, we didn't even said, you know, he had a lot of criticism for it not looking very film-like for looking a bit kind of just bright and colorful and not look, you know, looking a bit TV-like. So I think that they do a lot be- better visually in the sequel. Um, and I think that a lot of the drama works a lot better for me. I think in the first Avengers film, the kind of forced drama of like, oh, Loki's trying to influence the Hulk and all this kind of stuff. It, I, I've always found that a bit forced and a bit gimmicky. So I kind of came out of it thinking like, you know what? I, I think that Avengers is like the more famous and better film for like what it did for superhero films and for the franchise. And that amazing New York sequence on his own is just fantastic. So, but I think just actually like technically i think the age of ultron is a better film story wise and script wise but again you just can't you can't be what avengers did because it was the first to do what it did but but yeah that was my sort of hot take is that i sort of had like age of ultron like half a star above above avengers yeah no i i definitely agree with you there because i I do love the first avengers film especially like what it represents but yeah, going. I think we were talking about this the other day, David. Like we we go back and watch it now, and it's 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 still like great. But you can just point out a few more holes in it, and I, I think Age of Ultron does hold up 
maybe slightly better as you said like maybe half a star higher on that to wrap it up like what so what are your guys so final thoughts on like the story of wonder and vision you know go into civil war to infinity war to end game uh both of both of you just tell me, you know, what, what do you think, like, are your highlights and what do you think of the strengths of the story that they've had, which have been told in these three films? Strength-wise, I think, uh, as we talked about, I think despite some pacing issues, they've done a good job of building up, like, the chemistry between the two characters, Wanda and Vision. Like I said, I think Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany work really well together. From that first, like, sort of the first moments of Vision's existence in Age of Ultron, when like you can kind of see the looks that like Wanda is giving him, and then that moment when like the city is falling from the sky and he appears in in the bus to like grab her and like save her, and it's just that brief moment when they're looking at each other um, helps. Like, obviously, like it's basically just so like people know like oh these two are going to be like attached in later films. But I do think they do a wonderful job of building up that relationship. And just the brief moments you have of them, like, together in Infinity War before Corvus Glaive attacks. Um, it was just, like, some really sweet, nice moments. I think they do a good job of showing how much these two characters really care for each other. And so I think that's when... That's why, like, one of the Wanda's best moments is when she appears in Endgame to, to attack Thanos. And she's like, you took everything from me. And he's like, I don't even know who you are. And she's like, you, yeah, you, you're about to. Yeah, it, it is. It is a bit of a shame that we didn't obviously see Vision come back in Endgame to get like a big moment because I felt that like in Infinity War, whilst he had a couple of good hits in against Corvus and Proxima in the Amsterdam, Vision didn't really get to do a whole lot. Like this, like the only thing he really got, he did, he just didn't get to really show off. I think in Infinity War and Endgame, while well, he wasn't in Endgame at all. But I do think that's because they kind of fell into the trap of like building up the character to be so powerful. So it's like you kind of got to like wipe him out early because otherwise he's just going to fix every problem. But then obviously like going to civil back to civil war, I think like a particularly strong moment there was obviously like you have all those interactions between Wanda and uh, Vision throughout the film where like they're kind of flirting and showing each other they care about each other and then kind of getting a bit like Wanda getting a bit mad at Vision because he's keeping her like in Tony's apartment or whatever, or the Avengers Mansion, whatever you want to call it. And But it's a bit later on where, obviously, like, Vision, he arrives at the fight scene at the airport, and the way they frame it is, like, uh, Cap and his boys are screwed now because Vision showed up, like, he, he can win this thing like that. But then, like, he sees one that gets hurt, and all of a sudden, he freaks out. He's meant to be this cold-calculating machine who never makes mistakes, and yet he somehow, like blows Rhodey out of the sky rather than like disabling Falcon's like wings to stop them like going after everyone and he miscalculated yeah that way like Tony's like asking Vision like what what the hell happened and Vision's like I I, I miscalculated like I, I, I got emotional and Tony's like I thought that wasn't meant to happen and I thought it was just like a good thing to cement just like how Wanda makes Vision feel more human than he actually is and I think that is just... I think it is, it's just a beautiful story and all, just the fact that, like, these two very unlikely... It's, it's a very unlikely pairing, and yet they found each other in this, like, sort of crazy world. And Wanda is clearly dealing with the loss very, very well. Uh, I, th- I think it's very clear from WandaVision she's, she's, she's coping fine. 
Um, I don't anticipate any problems moving forward. I think she's dealing with her grief in a healthy manner. Um, <laughs> I hope, anyway. But yeah, that, that's my thoughts. So anyway, I love the two characters. I've loved their journey across the MCU. I'm excited to see more of WandaVision. And I'm just excited to see how crazy that gets. And the huge implications that it's going to have for the larger MCU uh, going forward. Um, and yeah, I'm just uh, just looking forward to seeing uh, more of them and more Vision. Because I always love more Vision. I, I love Paul Bettany. I think he's been a delight in uh, WandaVision so far as we talk about on uh, Capes, Cowls and Masks. Uh, so, so, so yeah, I'm just excited to see more of their journey together and to see how amazingly it's going to turn out. It's actually surprising how well developed the relationship has been so far, given how when you actually look at how much time they've had within the movies, they've had surprisingly little amount of time, right? Like, as a, as a sort of thing, they've only really had the subplots of two movies. Because, let's face it, Age of Ultron doesn't really do anything to develop this whatsoever. I don't think the the carrying and the look is enough to constitute constitute romantic engagement. If it is, it's a very archaic way of romantic engagement, which is kind of bad. But then but just the way in which they both act in, I think specifically Civil War definitely sells it quite well. The fact that that they're able to have like that connection despite the fact they end up being on different sides is just because they don't know exactly how to handle themselves. So it's then quite nice when you see them actually having worked things out somewhat in in Edinburgh, not Amsterdam. Sorry, Tom. Oh, my bad. My bad. <laughs> it's just because I've been hearing Radio 1 recently talking a lot about the scene where they're outside of a kebab shop and the sign just says, we will deep fry your kebab. Not we can, yes. we will. Yes. I don't know why I thought Amsterdam. I really don't know. Oh, well. They are uh, renowned for deep uh, frying things. <laughs> and it's it's a common thing. I think there's another creator, which uh, me and Craig watch on YouTube, which called the Glasgow. It's like, why can nobody get this famous city right? <laughs> it's just, it's a place. It's a lovely little place. And then worse, you have an entire film uh, basing, uh, basing their plot within Edinburgh, despite the fact they shouldn't be in Edinburgh. <laughs> Thank you, Eurovision movie. What I've actually really enjoyed about uh, bringing WandaVision into this, the two episodes that have aired so far, what I'm really enjoying is that the one thing you never really got to see, see of them was just them in light-hearted situations. There's always some degree of tension and contemplation that's going on with those scenes, even the scenes where they are together, because they, they're on the run. Just seeing them in like these quirky uh, sitcom uh, antics is actually quite nice because those sitcoms are always about like the idea of conformity anyway and you have two characters who all they really want is to like conform within society in some way so it makes perfect sense that they're in like a sitcom environment the fact that the, the plot of the first episode is literally the most typical my boss is coming to dinner and we haven't got things prepared that entire like that's incredibly symbolic of like the 50s sitcom era anyway that that sort of plot line so the fact that they're doing it with their own state just makes perfect sense it's just fun watching them like in those in those scenarios even um and that's what i mean that's what i'm enjoying about that relationship as well like you you've already got the idea of like they they care deeply for each other uh i just want to see now more of just how they how they utilize that more before we get into what I imagine is going to be a load of PTSD. Yeah. Um, I think what is 
really great as well is that they've never made it kind of like oh a woman and an android what's going on here you've never had like some avenger or some person being like that's wrong or any of this kind of stuff they've just like just gone with it which i think is great as well and they've just you know forced the audience to be like yeah we're doing this you know they've never made it a thing which i think is also cool and that works in the elements that the Craig was mentioning as well is still the idea of like, oh, we are an odd couple and, you know, we are strange, but they're constantly trying to conform and is, you know, in the, what we've seen in division already, they're kind of like, oh, for the children, children, have you got children? So then they're like, oh, we need to have children because, you know, this is like the acceptable thing to do in society. And I think, sorry, I think there is an in-universe explanation as to why nobody has said why on earth is that powerful witch with magic powers that could kill us, and that android who has like the ability to shoot lasers at us. They're they shouldn't be together. What is this? Oh, I seem to be on fire. <laughs> I seem to have died. Um, yeah, and I think that it appears my insides are burning. <laughs> but um. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's always been a great element of their storyline as well, is the idea of conformity and what Tom said about, you know, that like humanizing vision that he's changing. And he says that in Infinity War, he says, you know, that the the stone and himself are becoming different. You know, he's becoming separate. And that's what I love in a Civil War. That's one of my favorite ever lines. I just, as soon as I saw it in the cinema, I was like, that's so cool. I just loved it. It's just when she takes down vision, when she like blasts him into the ground, and she says, you know, I can't control their fear, only my own. And I just think that that's such a beautiful line for like conformity and for like accepting society, because it's true about so many cultures and so many people today, you know, and what we're living through a lot of the time is that, you know, people will be worried about what other people think about them all the time and like, oh, I need to do this. I need to act this certain way. But at the end of the day, you can't control what people think of you. And that's what a lot of people out there are all about. You know, they they wear their heart and their sleeve. They're about, you know, showing themselves in their true colors, which is becoming a bigger thing. And I think that's why Wanda has become such, you know, a big character for a lot of people. And then the fact, God, those moments, like you mentioned, Tom, of like, uh, you know, I don't even know who you are. Oh, you will sort of thing, you know, and showing her with her true power. Everyone loves, you know, a kind of unhinged, badass character. And um, she's definitely one of those. And I think the fact that, you know, what Craig alluded to earlier as well is the fact you've got characters like Cap and Iron Man. They're all sort of physical fighters. She's the only sort of like supernatural character in the MCU, really. So everyone is sort of supporting her to like unleash and show that supernatural powers because it's not an X-Men film. We don't see that as much. So I think that's fantastic. And that's why it's led us to where we are. And I think that it's great that we now get to spend more time with these characters and there's that element of like, oh yeah, we get to see the relationship, but we also get to see some really like crazy reality warping stuff as well. So like you both said, I think they've done a fantastic job of setting this up, you know, in small bits throughout the series, through the drama and everything that's happened. Um, and I think it's because they've stayed true to those those core concepts of the characters so to wrap everything up, for those who don't know, we have our section, which is the movie vault, which is encapsulating movies for all time so they can be preserved and discovered hundreds of years later if we would have a vault of movies, which was to teach you about the, you know, the great art of film. And um, yeah, I think interestingly from today, if we're talking about the MCU, what two films are already in the movie vault where we discussed on our movies of the decade are Avengers and Avengers Endgame. 
And I would just say that we just need to complete the set and just put in Age of Ultron and, and Infinity War, is my personal opinion, is that you could then see that full story. You can see how epic and how what a feat it was to have this entire universe build-in franchise, and you get to see the story of uh, Wanda and Vision, because Civil War is in there as well, so you're pretty much going to have the entire entire storyline up until their series. What do you guys think? I completely agree. At the, at the end of the day, I think there isn't really a a bad Avengers film. No. So it makes sense, even regardless of like character development across like multiple uh, multiple stories. Just having probably the most successful movie franchise of all time, fully represented with its core, with its core entries, of of like the actual full ensemble, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm completely with you there. Into the movie vault this week then goes Avengers Age of Ultron and Avengers Infinity War. Let us know at home if you agree and if what you would like to see put into the movie vault. What other MCU films do you think deserve to go in there? Uh, at the moment it is mainly just the Avengers and uh, Cap Civil War I believe. So you know lots of opportunities for us to talk about the MCU in the future which we look forward to. Uh, but now... Uh, we must wrap things up and like the Avengers franchise, you know, we must come to an end with Endgame. Uh, so we will play our usual Endgame, which this week we'll see Craig up against our guest, Tom. We're in the Endgame now. Oh, oh, it's so this week's Endgame is called Wandering the Channels. So what I'm going to do for you guys this week is we're talking about WandaVision, which is obviously paying tribute to television sitcoms and is a TV series that's based off a movie franchise. But often something that happens is that we get TV series that turn into movies. And often some of those can be sitcoms. Some of them can be action shows. There's a big variety of different ones we get. So I'm going to play for you segments of different movie trailers and I want you to buzz in and tell me what movie adaptation of a TV series you are listening to. Right, so it's a TV series, not necessarily a sitcom? It's a TV series, no, not necessarily a sitcom. There might be sitcoms in there, but it's uh, just general TV series turned into movies. Okay. Okay, I'm with you. So, uh, you know, we got... A nice theme in the, the trailers as well. You know, we get a handy narration that we have in like the old tiny trailers as well, which can help you out. So yeah, some of them are sitcoms, some of them are not. But just it's the first person to buzz in and tell me what movie it is. So I'll, I'll award a point for just each correct answer. And then there'll be bonus points if you can get it a bit earlier. Some of the clips might be a bit longer. Some of them might be a bit shorter, depending on how much they reveal, etc. So are you guys ready? Yep, I'm ready to regain my honour. <laughs> right, so let's go for clip number one. So be ready with your buzzers, guys. Here we go. This summer, between honour and dishonour, between family and enemies, between July and August, a line will be drawn and then coloured in yellow oh right so that was craig is it the simpsons movie is it the simpsons movie 
Oh, it probably was now, wasn't it? Wasn't it? It was the Simpsons movie. Ah. Well done, Craig. Yeah, so obviously the big uh, clue there was coloured in yellow uh, with that traditional movie voice. I was so guy. glad I waited. I was going to put the recess movie at one point. <laughs> so I was like, oh, God, no. Yeah, that would be a great one. <laughs> um, immediately after that, you get the whip scene. So, you know, I was like, that would have just been too much of a giveaway. Yeah, that, that would have given right, away. Right, okay, so <laughs> the first point there goes to Craig. So... Buzzers cleared. The next clip. Emma Peel, doctor, atomic scientist, poet. How now, brown cow? Meteorologist, physicist, marksman. Are you paying attention? John Steele, agent, oh, member of secret. Okay, so that we have Tom has buzzed in. Tom. I'm, I'm taking a huge guess here, just based off the fact that I kind of recognise the name Emma Peel, uh, it, and I'm, I'm not sure if there's been a more recent adaptation. But is it perhaps Avengers, but based off the old the Avengers TV series, the Spy is series? Is it the Avengers? Oh crap! It's gonna be. It is the oh! Avengers. Well done. Yes. So, yeah, obviously I had to put that in because, again, classically <laughs> in the UK, we had to call Avengers Avengers Assemble because yeah. some people can't differentiate between two completely different franchises, apparently. And, uh, oh, fantastic. Yeah, a classic TV show adaptation, which shares a name with uh, the Marvel superheroes. What? How old is that trailer? Because that sounded incredibly, like, 90s. It was. It was uh, 19... 98 or something like that i believe yeah, i thought i thought avengers was older than that the actual tv series is like the 60s and stuff sean connery in it i suppose tells us that it, it definitely was old <laughs> one point there to tom so level pegging the next one get ready guys Star Jack Wyatt is getting one last shot. He's gonna do a television series and it's gonna be a big hit. A couple of big names are available for Samantha. I want an unknown in the lead. So, should be fun, huh? Now, after weeks of searching, <laughs> good. He's found the perfect witch. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. We have an answer in, right? So it's from Craig. All right. I'm just going to explain the logic of why I think it's this. It's clearly Will Ferrell. Yeah. They've talked about a witch. Mm -hmm. It could be a sitcom. It's Bewitched. Is it Bewitched? Uh... It is Bewitched. Um, I would have given you two points if you had it before he mentioned, like, the perfect witch. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, uh, that was a big clue. So I'll give you one point for that one. Uh, sure. So yeah, I think this. Is Wait, bit... how many did you give for Simpsons then? Was that just one point? That was just one as well. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that was the trailer for Bewitched, which was a adaptation of the classic sitcom, which uh, you know they've also paid tribute to in WandaVision, Hence that showing up here. And uh, yeah, I just love how that's just got some hilariously unhilarious Will Ferrell comedy in there, like hummus. Like, why did you have to put that in the trailer? Like, uh huh, isn't this funny? 
I mean, I still love uh, the family guy ripping on the witch with the holy water. Oh, gosh. <laughs> right, so are you guys ready for the next one? Bring it on. Yeah. Here we go. This summer, our world will come under attack. The mayor has declared a state of emergency. By the most evil force ever known. He has armies at his command. And only one power on Earth can stop him. Welcome to my nightmare. Now, the ultimate adventure begins. We have an answer in. So that was Craig. I've buzzed, but I think I'm wrong. All right. What are you going for? Oh, why did I buzz? <laughs> what are you going for? Smurfs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it, it might be, maybe. Is it? Is it Smurfs? <laughs> it could be. It's, it's not, not Smurfs. No. <laughs> Tom, uh, do you have a guess as to this one? Uh... Oh, no, not not a clue to be honest. Uh, Are you giving up on this one, or do you want to hear it again, or do you think you're not going to get it? I I, I don't know if another listen is going to help. To be honest, um, you know, I'm just going to throw out a random guess. I'm just going to just just like throw a bunch of darts at the wall and hope one of them lands. Okay. Uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle. I don't know. Oh, it's a decent <laughs> guess, but uh, unfortunately, it was uh, wrong. Craig, any more thoughts? It's not Hong Kong Fooey, is it? No, that's not how a movie adaptation. I don't know. <laughs> You're going <laughs> to kick yourselves. It's the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Are you actually uh, kidding me? Yeah. So uh, you could hear Ivan Ooze in there when uh, he had his uh, little quips. And uh, obviously the, you know, I thought that was a bit of a clue. It, it obviously, I was What was it laughing? Who was laughing in that? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was some of the like henchmen. Oh um, god damn it! I just love as well how that trailer doesn't. You know, the Power Rangers movie was just like this. This keep this like secret as to whether this is a Power Rangers movie. They're like the greatest heroes on earth, and it doesn't say who they are. And then they're like the greatest villain who has lots of armies. <laughs> I'm like right, you know, like yeah. I think that's what of that's what also threw me because Ivan Ooze one set of minions yeah it is yeah so uh no points for that one uh so i think the buzz is still cleared yep so on to the next one oh Damn it! We could point that. I'm gonna hate myself if I'm. Yeah, I'm gonna hate myself if I'm wrong now. So what are you going for, Tom? (laughs) Oh God, I'm gonna be wrong now. Is it Dukes of Hazard? Is it Dukes of Hazard? It is Dukes of Hazard. Well done. So yeah, I would. I wouldn't have. I knew it. 
I forgot what that show was called. I knew it was that. Like I was going to say Starsky and Hutch. I'm like, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I that that was the thing. As soon as I was about to say Dukes of Hazard, I was like, wait, but what if it is Starsky and Hutch? Oh god. Yeah, I I don't know whether to give the two points. There was the horn, which was maybe a, but. Uh, I I didn't hear no horn. What <laughs> horn? I didn't. Uh, Come on, uh, that at that point yeah. it's the, the defining thing between that and Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll accept just. Uh, yeah, so just we'll a go for the for one that. point on that one. Okay, buzzers reset. Get ready. This Christmas, for the first time, America's most exciting and legendary motion picture hero comes to the screen like you've never seen him before. Any ideas so far? Are you joking? <laughs> Wait, that is that it? Is that that's the wow? That could be anyone. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not betting on that. <laughs> is that all we get? <laughs> so listen to what he's saying. So most legendary hero. It's in the 90s because it's got that voiceover guy. It's animated. That, wow, wow. That, that really helps narrow it down. It's comic book related. I'm going for it then. Okay, Craig. Is it, is it Mask of the Phantasm? Batman Mask of the Phantasm? Is it Mask of the Phantasm? It is Mask of the ah. Phantasm. Yeah, that was a tricky one, but immediate the clip immediately after that was like, "It's Batman." I was like, "I can't." So, what was that? That was yeah. <laughs> that was Bugs Bunny during the Warner Brothers logo when he chose the, the, the. I was thinking. See, that, that I was, like, was throwing me off because then I started thinking of like, wait, what? What, what sort of like animated char- animal characters had films in the nineties? You did it the first time. It was, he did something. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like you or Craig first, and I was just like, oh, that's really distracting. That. And then I turned it back. I was like, oh, it is in it. And I thought, shall I? say this is a clue i was like no that'll throw you off too much so yeah we would have been saying looney tunes films. Uh, yeah yeah i would have just gone space jam at some point I, I was ready to just pounce with that right next clip get ready close your eyes open your imagination make believe think big and go purple any ideas? Think big and go purple. Think big and go purple. That doesn't There's a lot of in- innuendos I'm not comfortable with. with this clip. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Any ideas? Just think about the tone, like the, the magic, the, the purple. Think childhood. I'm not going to be honest, I can't think of many magical purple things from my childhood. <laughs> right, so I have to call this one as a loss. Craig, you're going to kick yourself for this one. Who eats, Who eats flamingos? flamingos? Oh! <laughs> so the answer is Barney, Barney the dinosaur. It is Where the does Bar- magic come into that? <laughs> I know, he's a giant purple dinosaur that doesn't eat people. I suppose that's quite magical. <laughs> Uh, not all dinosaurs were carnivores, David. First of uh, all, true. Drop true. that down. <laughs> uh, yeah. Whoa! 
better get started having fun right now. God say yeah, and Stanley, I couldn't play any of the rest of that. They literally just say the word Barney and <laughs> uh so yeah, no points in that round. And uh yeah, Barney's Great Adventure. That's uh that's the adaptation there. I also didn't realise Barney had a film. <laughs> like of course Barney has a film. Yeah. For, yeah, for those who don't know, it's a it's a common in joke that we have, like as a reference to Barney the dinosaur being a flamingo eater on the show. So that's why I had to throw that in there. So yeah, we have like our mascot Swiss Lodge. Swiss Lodge is still here, standing strong. Not heard from Swiss Lodge in a while. It's good to see him. Yeah. Before there was a secret service. Before there was a CIA. Before there was an FBI. There was West, Jim West. But behind every great man is a beautiful woman. Stay out of my way, lady. Uh, lady, I'm a U.S. Marshal. Now what? Will Smith. You're not the master of. <laughs> I just carried on playing it, Craig. Craig, what are you going for? Wild Wild West. Is it Wild Wild West? It is uh, definitely getting the one point on that because again, it was like pretty much as Will Smith and the music came in. Well, it was like Wes. I was gonna. I was thinking like, oh, what's that show called? The Sheriff. <laughs> and it's Will Smith. Oh wait, it's that. And then the big worry is: is it actually called Wild Wild West, or is that just the name of the song? I know. I was tempted to take out like where he said his name. I was like, is that too much a giveaway? But apparently not. So, but yeah, Wild Wild West <laughs> is loosely based on a TV series. So uh, hence. Uh, that's in there. So another point there for Craig. So at the moment it is four two to Craig. Ooh. Pressure's on Tom. Get ready for the next one, guys. Okay. In England, he is a national treasure. In Australia, he is a beloved icon. In our small island in the Pacific. He is worshipped as a god. And this fall, he's coming to America. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bean. <laughs> right, so who was actually first on that? Okay, so that was Craig. Bean. Is it Bean? It is. I was going to have that pause there when they just had the, like, come into America bit, but do you have any clues before that? I'm not going to lie. When I first heard the music, I thought I was going to, I thought it was going to be Thunderbirds for some reason. <laughs> for some reason, I was thinking Alan Partridge, and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that logic, to be fair. Um, More of a legit guess than Thunderbirds. Well, that is it, guys. That was your last trailer, so... We have now come to the end. So yeah, the the master of the end game, the usual host of these, uh, has come out victorious. There's no shame in that, Tom. Congratulations, Craig. No, I take great shame in that. Um, <laughs> I will be committing seppuku shortly after this recording. <laughs> well, there goes one returning guest. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I could still return. It could just be, be just be a weekend of Bernie situation. It'd, it'd be like. Um, uh, was it katana? You'd be like, you'll be trapped in a in the sword. You 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 do seppuku on yourself, <laughs> and you'll be a soul visiting us. Uh, so yeah, congratulations, Craig. Hope everyone enjoyed those uh, 
trailers and intros there and uh, have fun playing at home. What other movie adaptations would uh, you like to see us talk about or feature in the in the future? I tried to put ones like the Flintstones in there, but you know the Flintstones was like <laughs> there was just too much in the trailer. There was just there was no getting around that it was a Flintstones trailer. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that wraps up everything for today. We've had great fun talking about Wanda and Vision in the MCU, talking about Avengers Age of Ultron and all the films that these characters have appeared in. Uh, we're looking forward to watching the rest of this series at the moment. And uh, yeah, you can also catch our review of the series, our written review by Ali on our website, freshtakehub.com. So go check out that written review, which will be up now. And uh, yeah, Tom, uh, you can catch yourself talking about it on another podcast. So uh, where can we yes. catch that? And where else can we catch you? Plug plug some stuff. Well, you can catch me on Capes, Cows and Masks, Dave's other show, uh, which he does with Jake, uh, where yeah, we'll be talking about WandaVision in uh, a lot more detail uh, than we have here and uh, going into our theories and speculations to how the show will come on. Um, I am starting to make a bit more of a presence on Twitter right now, so you can uh, find me at, at Gapperboy, that's B-O-I, um, on Twitter, um, for occasional uh, nerdy witticisms and complaints about how little I use Twitter. Um, and hopefully I will also be getting a letterbox account soon, so when I actually have one, we can plug that. Um, but thanks for having me on the show. And, uh, yeah, no, no worries. It's hope, been a pleasure. Hope to see you guys again soon. Yeah, hopefully. Like I said, lots of comic book stuff to go through this year. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have a great year of movie conversations up ahead. You know, we've recently planned our upcoming episodes. We have some corkers coming up for you guys. We can't wait to show you everything that we've got planned. It's going to be a lot of fun and uh, some good distractions from everything that's going on in the world. Uh, Craig, anything lastly from yourself? None of this is real. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Craig, who's doing this to you? Craig, Craig. <laughs> uh, Seriously, go and watch WandaVision. It's great so far. Yeah, it's great. Go check it out on Disney+. Plus. The first two episodes are out right now. And, uh, yeah, go check out the rest of our episodes as well. Uh, you can catch us talking about lots of other comic book stuff before. We talked to Jake about the X-Men franchise. We talked about the DC franchise, Joker. And yeah, we're glad to be talking about uh, some more Marvel stuff now. So you can catch us, as usual, on all our socials, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at WellGoodMovies. And you can also catch us on our website, which is freshtakehub.com, where you can catch that review of WandaVision. And you can also catch all our previous episodes and you can follow those socials as well. So thank you once again, guys. And uh, yeah, I look forward to talking movies with you again in the future and hope everyone at home is being safe. Catch you all soon. Bye. Bye. I'm out of here. None of this is real.